Welcome. You've joined the Hedonism Show with Carol and David, broadcasting live from the world's most iconic adult playground Hedonism 2 on Negril Beach in Jamaica. Our show is here to help you achieve better, better love, better sex, and a better, more intimate relationship. Are you ready? Take notes and send us your questions. This is the Hedonism Show. Now, here are your hosts, Carol and David. Hi, everyone. We're Carol and David, and welcome to the Hedonism Show. While we're all doing our part to stay safe in these crazy times, we sure are missing our favorite sexy resort, Hedonism 2 on Negril Beach in Jamaica. And we can't wait to get back there again soon. But in the meantime, we are happy that we can share this little Jamaican vibe right here on the Hedonism Show. Absolutely. And before we get going, we want to shout out to all our Jamaican friends and family from Hedo 2. Uh, Harry, Donna, Winston, Chef Anthony, and so many others whom we really miss and hope are safe and healthy back in Jamaica. And we can't wait to get back to the world's most iconic adult playground. You know, it's an all-inclusive paradise where you can really turn your fantasies into reality. And holy fuck, babe, have we turned some fantasies into realities over there. It's the sexiest place on earth where you can get as wicked as you want for a week and be as mild or as wild as you like. The Hedonism Show is all about the pursuit of pleasure. And as usual, we'll be talking about sex, sexuality, relationships, and all the ways to spice up your sex life to live happy, healthy, and always horny. Absolutely. I love being horny. All right. So a bit about today's show. Do you consider yourself a sex positive person? What makes you feel that way? And is it your open-minded attitude or your eagerness to explore your sexuality? Or... Is it your acceptance of other people's sexual expressions without judgment? So in addition to talking today about sex positivity, on today's show, we're going to be talking to a sexuality researcher all about the racial component of the swinging lifestyle as we bust some myths about the BBC and the legend of Jezebel. You like BBC? Oh, yes. I love seeing you with the BBC. (laughs) We'll find out all about that a little bit later. But first, we want to take a moment to talk about our top waterproof blanket because everybody should continue to have great sex now more than ever. But if you're fed up with sleeping in that wet spot or having to change your sheets every time you have sex, then you need one of our top waterproof blankets. It's 100% waterproof and leak-proof, and it guarantees to keep your bed and mattress dry no matter how wet it gets. From messy massage oils to silicone lube or any other sexy wetness, you just have to throw it in the washer and dryer, and it comes out looking like brand new. And you don't have to leave your house to get one. Simply and safely go to Amazon and order yours today. Search Top Waterproof Blanket, that's T-O-P, Waterproof Blanket, and great sex starts now. It sure does, and so does today's show. You know we are Carol and David. This is The Hedonism Show, and we are so excited to welcome our special guest today. Dr. Valerie Popple is a clinical sexologist, sex coach, and certified sexuality educator. As well, she's a sexual scientist and researcher in the swing lifestyle. Together with her husband, they founded the Swan Center for Sexual Wellness and the Integrative Social and Sexual Health Institute. That's a mouthful. Sure is. I wonder if they have time to have sex. <laughs> That's uh, a we'll, lot of sexuality. We'll find out all about that in Great Sex Matters later on. Dr. Valerie Welcome to The Sexy Lifestyle. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy life to talk to us today. You guys, I'm so excited to be here, Carolyn David. I am like amped up and ready to go. 
Yay. So I know so much has happened this last past year with COVID-19. Tell us a little bit about how your sex life and your relationship with your husband has changed since March. (laughs) Well, that's a good question. So, you know, one thing that we've done, we've been home. We haven't gone anywhere. My husband is German, so his passport allowed him to, you know, go across the pond and I was stuck here. So we had a lot of phone sex. We had some video sex. (laughs) Then he came home and then I made him quarantine upstairs for two weeks. Shit, I really did. (laughs) Good for you. (laughs) Happened four times. I really did. (laughs) And so our sex life has been, it's been good, but it hasn't been enough. Mm -hmm. And we actually talked about that last night. And, And that's because of the stress, the world stress. You know, it creeps into your bedroom as well. So I, I find in my work, a lot of couples are actually experiencing that. Yeah, that's... You're not having enough. Yeah, that's pretty normal these days. But of course, as a sexologist, you guys both know how to um, how to change those things and how to add a little bit of spice to your life. We do. We've been amping up a lot. You know, as a researcher, I'm always delving into something. Let's try this. Like our bedroom... Is like a laboratory. He's a scientist as well. He's actually a food scientist and a chemist. So between the freaking food and the freaking fucking, <laughs> <laughs> our bedroom looks like a test laboratory where we're always trying something. And his latest endeavor is like he wants to make the world's perfect loop. That's his latest endeavor right wow. now. That's so a- I am slippery, slick all over the place. He's tasting it, he's licking it, he's trying to get in the water in the hot tub, get out the hot tub, do this. And we've been having a lot of fun. That's what good. else you going to do when you're in quarantine? You exactly. got to have fun. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You know? we, we've been, so, we've yeah, been, our, our sex life has changed. That's great. We've been exploring a lot of new sex toys and um, some new positions. We've been doing role playing. And that we could talk a little bit about that more in our Great Sex Matters <laughs> segment at the end of the show. But Valerie, tell us a little bit about, you know, how you got into this field of sexual sexology. I mean, it's not something that's the first thing you do when you take courses in school. It certainly is not. So, and I, I have to be very honest and, and tell you the whole story. And I'll condense it because it can go on. And I'm long-winded. So just say, Val, shut up. It's okay. You know, I went to law school and I went to the casino industry for a long time. It's boring. It's business. And sex is a whole lot more sexier and fun, right? So my days are never bad. My days are actually great days. And what what transformed me into a clinical sexologist is we have a son that's on the spectrum. And to the course of seeing him date, which is an absolute clusterfuck, and then me trying to find something in the States that enabled a healthy young male in his 30s how to engage in in sex in a healthy way. And there was nothing here that would teach him. I looked and I looked. And when I went to Europe, I noticed that there were things, models in place that we didn't have here. Hence my desire to understand more about the science of sex. So I talked to my husband about it and I went back to school and I got my doctorate. And in the course of doing that, I decided to build a model that would help young adults 
on the spectrum and those with mental concerns and disabilities to have full engaging sex life. And so that's what dealt me into this. So it was watching my son date. As I said, it was a hot ass mess. Let me just tell you. So I developed this whole model of teaching people on the spectrum. He was my guinea pig. I took him to the mall. I dressed him up. I told him what to say, what not to say. People were like, what? This old woman hitting on this young kid. I'm sure I was getting all kind of crazy looks. I'm guiding and coaching him to the mall. And he actually, you know, he actually got laid at like 34 years old. He came home. He was so excited. He must have just had sex like 10 minutes ago because he was still freshly showered. <laughs> and he told <laughs> it was like freaking Christmas here. We were so happy. You would have thought he won the lottery. <laughs> because, you know, it, to see him, you know, get his man body, his man face, that was, a, that was a moment for me that I will honestly never forget. To see him go from the struggling male that was struggling into his man body just with one encounter, a good encounter. And he says, Mom, guess what? I even put her in the shower and gave her like she told me to. I'm like, hey, good for you. So... That's the long story. <laughs> no, I, and I love that story. And you obviously have an amazing relationship with your son and you have an amazing way to talk to him and makes him feel comfortable. And he learned all those lessons. So that's fantastic. And let's a great segue into you telling us a little bit about your school, your institute of sexology. Tell us all about that as well. Absolutely. So the Integrative Social and Sexual Institute is all about teaching and training clinical sexologists. It is a profession that's merging, and it is relatively new. And myself and some other partners of mine decided to form an institute founded on various principles of human sexual science, from the medical component to the mental component, the psychology component, wellness component, all those areas, as well as we go into the racial component. And no one ever talks about sex and race. And we meld those all together and we certify clinical sexologists all over the world on how to work with couples and individuals through all sexual concerns. And it is an amazing program. And we're so excited that this year has been our biggest year because people are home and they ain't got shit to do, so they're taking the program. <laughs> but it's a great profession because the one thing you can always guarantee, you live long enough, there will be a sexual concern either you, your partner, or the couple will have. Absolutely. So yeah. that's what I do with it, and I love it. Yay, that's really, really amazing. So one of the things we talked about in the opening is about being sex positive. And, you know, a lot of people think they are sex positive, but I think that's got a very um, broad definition. Why don't you tell us what you would consider to be a person who has a sex-minded, sorry, a sex-positive mind? Sure. And that's a beautiful question. Because you're right, a lot of people think that they're sex positive and open-minded until the shit hits the fan, and then they realize, like, not really. So for me, sex-minded is that you are open to understand, not actually indulge, but understand and be open to all sexual types, genders, plays with an open mind without coming in with your predetermined notions around sex, race, 
disability, sex, all of those things that can enter into someone's mind. So coming in with an open, clean slate to understand and be receptive to learning and exploring in a safe, healthy, positive way. Wow. So it's really the mindset you walk into it. A lot of people say, oh, yeah, I'm this, I'm that, but yet they see something going on and they freak out. Mm -hmm. You know, they might have had a traumatic experience. They see their partner with someone else, like the partner's like more involved with them than they are with the husband or wife. All those things come into play. And so that's what sex positive is. Really to take yourself out of the preconceived notion of what it is and just live for the moment and enjoy it. Wow, that is a great, great, great definition. And I think you consider yourself a very scientific person and you actually are doing a lot of research. So tell us a little bit about how your scientific mind helps you with your research projects. Right. So as I mentioned earlier, my husband and I are both scientists and he's a food scientist. And here I am, the sex scientist. And he's actually in the pet food business. So he's a pet food scientist. And so science is something that's always engulfed in our communication. And so my approach to sexuality is I want to understand it. It's not enough just for me to feel it and under, feel it. I need to understand why my body's doing what it's doing. I need to understand as I'm aging, why my body ain't doing shit that it used to do. Exactly. <laughs> I need to understand you know, what I'm going to have when, I, when I'm when i in my 70s. I need to understand what's happening to my 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 puberty granddaughter that's now hitting a puberty that's getting questions in her mind's eye, you know. I need to understand those things from those that have physical concerns, those that are um, emotionally challenged. I want to understand what it is because that is how I believe that we really, in the, in the world of science, can make impact in the field of sex, in the field of sexology. You really have to understand it. And, and businesses do not put enough money behind that, especially when it comes to women's concerns. Like for men, it's all about it. We'll give you some pills, you're up, you know, you're good to go. But for women, they give a rat's ass. And for that is always something that is, is something I'm always working with, with big pharmaceutical companies trying to come out and develop something for women. I'm really a big component in that because we're left out and hell, I mean, you should be first and first for me. For sure, for, for sure. sure. Now, you you have a very special twist to what you do being a scientific researcher, a sexuality researcher, but you also are part of our lifestyle community. You and your husband are also in the swinging world. And before we get into swinging and a little bit about your uh, trips to hedonism and your educational classes, I think it's important for us to understand how you got into the swinging lifestyle and, and how long have you been in it? Sure. So I watched um, Real Sex on HBO. <laughs> and I got curious <laughs> as to what it was. And I, 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 I am much more comfortable in the BDSM life world, right? That's where, I, that's where I come from. I put myself in a little nutshell. And my husband, you know, had experience in the lifestyle way before, you know, 30 years back, he's been involved in it. And we're watching Real Sex. And I'm like, well, that's kind of fascinating. And so you, what do I do? Google <laughs> lifestyle swinging. I think I didn't even know lifestyle swinging. And sure enough, where I live, there were a couple places. I'm like, oh my God. 
what do you have to do to go? So, you know, I, you handle it. You know, I'm going to do what you tell me to do. So I handled it and I went to my first, I guess, house party uh, about now maybe 15 years ago, 10 to 15 years. And that's how it started. Wow, that's cool. And so what is it about the swinging lifestyle that intrigues you so much that you actually wanted to apply um, your research your techniques? research, yes, on it? Yeah. So I, two things that, that prompted me to get into the research side of this. And before, you know, I was not researching sex. I was not researching the lifestyle. But because of my first experience is what made me say, what the fuck? <laughs> I didn't read any of this shit in the rules on the lifestyle. On the swinging, you know, they have some rules somewhere on the internet. I'm like, I didn't read any of this. So my first experience wasn't the most positive. It really made me, my science mind, be like, question, really? And what the fuck? And so let me tell you what it was. Because it, it was kind of a funny thing. Can I tell you what it was? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right, you're waiting, you're waiting. All right, so... I went to a, we went to a party and, and my husband and I were there was a house party, maybe about six or seven couples were in there. And there were couples there, you know, and then full blown, fucking full blown right into it, right? And I walk in the door and everyone stops and stares. Full stroke. I'm like, uh what's going on? And the first thing I notice, I'm the only black woman in there. Okay. I don't care about that. Irrelevant to me. So the host comes over to me and he says, we've never had a black woman at our party before. I'm like, well, I've never been to one before. And your point? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and yeah, and so this is my first foray. Well, we're so happy that you're here. Everyone's happy that you're here. I'm like, okay. And I'm, you know, and I knew enough because I read on the internet to have some code words. You know, and I'm tugging on my husband's, you know, shirt. Like, I'm ready to go now. I'm really ready to go. I'm already feeling wigged out. And so within 15 minutes, this guy pushes me against the wall and tries to kiss me. And I told my husband, get me the fuck up out of here. I'm done. And so we leave. We That was the quickest in and out of the lifestyle event ever. That experience led me to delve into the science of swinging, the science of how this can work with all races and ethnicities. And that sprung me into what I do. Wow. So it wasn't like the best story. It wasn't a sexy, like, ooh, great bet. It was like, ooh, damn, sorry. <laughs> we're, we're gonna We're going to get into some real juicy stories a little bit later on because you, like us, have been to hedonism. You've given some classes. You've played in the playroom. And I, I just want to, because you, you mentioned the point that a guy pushed you up against the wall to kiss you. We all know in the lifestyle there's three paramount rules, and that is ask first, no means no. And if you don't get an enthusiastic yes, that means no. And though for those people who don't get it, they don't belong in the lifestyle. And we know that the women drive, and this guy who came upon you and kissed you without asking, I'm sure he didn't last very long in the lifestyle because that's just not cool and that just doesn't happen. Well, it shouldn't happen, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and we all yeah. know that. But totally, we're... totally not in the rule book. <laughs> and not even freaking nice. 
Yeah, not very nice at all. Oh, this is an amazing discussion. We're just going to remind everybody that this is the Hedonism Show. We are Carol and David, and we're having an amazing discussion with sex coach and educator, Dr. Valerie Popple, all about the swinging lifestyle. Yeah, before we uh, get into our next segment, we want to remind you about APG. We have a new partnership with them. That's Alt Playground, altplayground.net. If you're looking for an online open-minded community to find compatible people and events in your area, you should join altplayground.net. It's a lifestyle site that's expanding to include a lot of amazing lifestyle resources that will connect you with other like-minded folks. So, you know, people have been asking us, what's changed after four years of doing the podcast? Well, a lot has. But to be honest, the orgasm gap still remains a challenge for many couples. You know what I'm talking about. Men tend to finish before their female partners. You've heard us talk about Promescent for years. Their urologist-developed FDA-compliant delay spray can help men last up to 64% longer without loss of sensation. And it's great because promescent is quickly absorbed into the penis and it doesn't transfer to your partner. And speaking of your partner, I think we can all agree that sometimes women, even when alone, still have challenges around reaching orgasm. So now, promescent has created a female arousal gel. I love it. It's a clitoral stimulant that she can rub into her clitoris for increased pleasure and a lot more satisfaction during pretty much any type of sexual activity that you can think of. Absolutely. So now they've got promescent delay spray for him and arousal gel for her. So basically, they're closing the orgasm gap on both sides. And remember to check out their amazing lubes as well. Yeah, trust us. Try these amazing products and you'll thank us later. Seriously, just write to us at ask at carolandavid.com and tell us how it went. So try Promescent today. Just go to the website www.promescent.com. That's P-R-O-M-E-S-C-E-N-T dot com. Yeah, and now, and especially for a limited time, if you enter Sexy Lifestyle 15, you'll get 15% off every order. And remember, tell your friends too, that's Sexy Lifestyle 15 for 15% off. Alrighty, let's get back to our show. You know we're Carol and David. This is the Hedonism Show. And we are having a great chat with sex coach, Dr. Valerie Popple from the Swan Center for Sexual Wellness. And now we're going to get into talking about some experiences you've had at hedonism, as well as the racial component of swinging. So, um, Dr. Valerie, why don't you tell us about your first lifestyle vacation and your first time at hedonism? Sure. My first lifestyle vacation was actually on a bliss cruise back in the day. And it was amazing. The energy, the people, the respect, the camaraderie. It was beautiful adults from all backgrounds having a beautiful time. It was lovely. 4,000 naked like, people. Yeah, it was beautiful. I mean, it's, it's what you don't expect on a cruise, but I will never go back to a vanilla cruise <laughs> because I'm all about just the openness and the friendliness and just the whole vibe of sex positive, sex like-minded people getting together and wanting to learn, you know, wanting to learn about sex and wanting to experience sex and play in a safe way. It was lovely. And it, you know, no, I'm like what, six or seven years on Bliss. I'm going back over and over, and I've been around the world on all all seven continents, and they've all been lifestyles. Every single one, seven continents. I love it. 
Yeah, we've been on the Bliss Cruise. We've been on Luxury Lifestyle Vacations. A shout out to Claudia and Pepe. Um, you know, we've been around everywhere. And like you were saying, it's about the energy. It's about the vibe. It's about the people. And even though people think, you know, a Swingers Cruise is about the sex, it's about the experience. Absolutely. Totally about the experience. When I went on the LLV Cruises with Claudia and Pepe, the way they put their cruise together is just phenomenal. I have to tell them, you know, knock on wood for them. They do a great job with putting theirs together. And it's always so much fun, regardless of the organizers. They all had, they seem to have one objective. I don't know them all, but from what I've been, is to have a good time and make the guests feel comfortable and safe, provide a safe atmosphere. That seems to be the going trend with these organizers. And it makes you feel, it makes you want to go back and keep trying different organizers. So I absolutely love it. So let's get back to your first time at Hedo, and maybe we'll see you there in January. We've been announcing that we're going to be at Hedo for 10 weeks in January from the 15th to March 26th. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're actually going to see Claudia and Pepe there um, on the 15th. They know they have a group there because they don't only do cruises. They also do trips to Hedo and Desire and all the other lifestyle uh, places because they do put together a great, great time. So let's hear about your first trip to Hedo. Sure. So my first trip to Hito was my husband surprised me for my birthday. And so we were going to Jamaica and I had no idea where we were going. And it wasn't until we got to the immigration officer and we had to put down our destination. And then he wrote down, he said, it's Hito. And I yelled, <laughs> you, you yelled that out loud. <laughs> yeah, that's and people at me like Ugh, one of those <laughs> or one of those, right? <laughs> and so my first time there was it was magical. I mean, it, it really is a magical place. It's beautiful. Um, the staff is incredible, and I've gone back to Hito now. I don't know six or seven times, if not probably even more than that, and. What I love about Hito the most, the, the turnover of staff is so low, but the staff becomes family. And it doesn't matter if you've been like two years, they might not know your name, but they know your face. Right. And it's nice to go back. They know what you like. And that makes you feel like you're a part of a community. So for me, Hito provides a beautiful community to go back to where you feel warm and welcomed and it's a lot of fun. Um, the first time I went, you know, because I, this was not my wheelhouse, I was like, wow, you know, when you go by the uh, hot tub at night, I'm like, oh, that's what y'all doing? <laughs> <laughs> totally shocked. <laughs> so, you know, my first night, I'm just like, I'm on, on the edge and like just looking around. Oh my God, what the hell? Didn't take me long to get with the vibe, but it does take you a minute to just Again, being open-minded and just taking out my little biases and just, I'm going to experience all of this voyeuristic nature of me and just look around and enjoy these beautiful people and see what I might get my crazy self into. I love it. It's a great community. For those that haven't gone, you should go. And I bet uh, there was nobody there pushing you up against the wall trying to kiss you because everybody at Hito understands respect and consent. Absolutely. No, there were... That was my only issue I've ever had way back in the day. And that was that was anomaly. It wasn't it wasn't the real lifestyle experience. That was just one 
freak. Right. We just right. call him what and, he is. And, pro- and probably it was also because you were inexperienced and you didn't really know, um, I don't know, where your place was or how to handle it. And so that's kind of why that, that was able to happen. So now that you know much, you're, you've evolved very far from that inexperienced uh, young woman, you know, But it's still not exploring. acceptable for no, another a, person, no, whether she was a newbie or not. It's yeah. still not acceptable for people to not ask and not get that enthusiastic yeah. yes. Exactly, exactly. But mm-hmm. now, yeah, now, absolutely. now you go to all these um, experiences, these lifestyle experiences as an educator and tell us how that's a little bit different from being there as a guest exploring your own sexuality. Oh, that's the best part. It's amazing. Like you said, I've, I grew up in the lifestyle. I've gone from this little girl to now I'm the expert. Exactly. <laughs> in a short order of time, right? Um, when I walk into one of those places as the educator, it's it's a huge responsibility because I understand that my clients are bringing me there for a purpose to educate their clientele. And so my job is to provide the best product and provide the best service that I can. So it's a lot of responsibility to me, and I, and I wear the responsibility. I want to make sure everyone is happy. I want to make sure that if you come to my class, that you get it. I really want you to walk away that you get the essence of what you're in for the fast for, and then how to put it back into practice and evolve with it. And a part of what I do also, and it just kind of evolved that way. And I don't know how this happened. This was an evolution that people know if I'm there and if they have concerns, they always say, well, Doc Valley's here, go see her. And that happens more so than not, where a couple might just have a little and we have someone to talk to. And we just, because we don't, you don't want to ruin your vacation. You want to enjoy it, right? So I'm there as that component as well. So have that sounding board. In case a couple, maybe a new couple, maybe an older couple, yeah, whatever. I have a little it in that moment at their resort, wherever they're going. So I do that as well when I'm there. So I really, really, really give a hundred plus percent of who I am as an educator when I am asked to come and do my job there. I don't even call it a job. You know, it's about really educating. Think about something. People don't realize this. Where else can you be? I, I'm, and I'm in America, so I can't speak to other countries, but where else as, a, as an adult can you have real sexological education? Think about it. That's not TV generated, which is full of crap. Right. But real education from experts. But what I know, only the places in the lifestyle that offer these things are lifestyle-ish. So when I go there and people get that they want to get educated and have the experience, it's a beautiful marriage. So I take it as a huge responsibility, and I get honored when I'm asked to come down. I prepare all my little notes. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we, we travel, like I said, a lot. Um, we believe it or not, and people think we're swingers. We've been swingers for 13 years. We know it all. We love learning. We love going to workshops. We love going to the classes, the play shops that people put out there. And some of them are pretty hands-on where um, we get to put hands on each other. Uh, Some of them, the instructors with uh, consent help us learn and and teach us new things. Some of them, you sit there and you listen and and you take those experiences and those uh, lessons back to your room. We've never been to one of your classes. We've been on cruises, we found out with you. We've been on the Bliss Cruise. We've been on the Alaska Cruise. Uh, You've been to Hito. 
tell us a little bit in detail what you teach in your classes and, and which is your favorite one. Sure. So I do a myriad of classes. You name it, I do it. My nickname on some of the cruises has been Dr. Anal. <laughs> <laughs> I like her already. <laughs> Dr. Anal. I like that. And I'll tell you why. I've been asked to do a lot of anal sex classes. <laughs> so I teach a, a beginner anal sex class, uh, which is one of my favorites. And I always set it up like it's it's very dark and cozy because not everyone's really comfortable talking about anal sex. And it's a Q&A. And then I do an advanced anal, which was a lot of fun. And uh, that was probably my most, I've been well-attended class. And probably, I think I had four to 500 looking down in the theater wow. at a couple doing um, anal sex on each other. That wow. was a lot of fun. That was a, that was one of my So So is the difference between... Is the Yay. difference between beginner anal and advanced anal how deep you go? <laughs> how deep you go, maybe? How big you want it? <laughs> oh, I get it. I get it. We're going to talk about BBCs in a minute. Yeah. Yeah, for a woman to even um, peck her husband or partner, you know, from starting from that little pinky all the way up to weight. So we get into that in the advanced class. What lubes to do? You know, and I always tell people in my class, you know, anal sex is like preparing for a vacation. You have to go shopping. You've got to get showered. You get some new clothes. Well, anal sex is like that. You have to prepare. Don't go there blind because you might not like the outcome. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. got to go on vacation and prepare a few things, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I love that class. That's a lot of fun. Um, I was one of the first ones for what I know that did a G-spot class. And my G-spot class is not the typical one. I teach women how to push out their G-spots so their partners can see it. Mm -hmm. That class was ridiculous. We had, I had three, it was in a, a, a big floor and I, I forget how many people on a huge stage. And everyone came down because I actually had these three women that I knew. I knew their G spots when they dropped them. I know them for many years now. It was right there. You could see it. And as soon as you touch it, they would just squirt. As soon as you touch it. Huh? And so I had people like like freaking school, right? Row by row coming down, looking at G spots. Because you hear about it, but have you seen Carol's G spot? That's what I want to know. I think the answer so is no. That class, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah. That class was ridiculous. That was really a lot of fun. And, um, and then I always close out uh, wherever I am on a, a, I don't want to call it tantric, but I want to say a spiritual cleansing class is my last one. Because after you've been on whatever vacation you've been on, and you opt to, you know, you've played and you've been around other types of energies. Well, now you're off this, you're getting off the boat, you're getting, you know, you're going back to your real world. And how do you bring back to the couple again? How do you cleanse yourself and have, get rid of that energy that you absorb and move forward, right? You don't want to take it home with you. You want to get back to who you and your partner are. So I do a beautiful, what I call a beautiful ritual, a cleansing ritual, a closing ritual. That takes about a good two hours. And that class normally is, it it's, sells out within 10 to 15 minutes. 
where couples are doing guided meditative cleansing ritual on how to reconnect once they play, which I then suggest they take it back to their homes and do this after they play. Because you want to always remember it's extracurricular activity. It's not, right. you don't want to keep it in, right? right? And so how to cleanse and move forward with energy. I'm a big energy person. Right. Mm-hmm. And wh- Those are my favorite ones. I do it all, to be honest. I'm not shy. I do it all. Nice, nice. <laughs> and and one thing that I want to clarify is that on some of the cruise ships, you do have to pay for some of the classes and some of the workshops. At Hedonism, they're all inclusive. They're all free, and anybody can go. And no, there's not three or 400 people at Hedo. It's much more intimate, and you, you actually can spend time. And I know Val, um, like the other educators, um, you can actually get one-on-one time with her and ask her to talk mm-hmm. and to work through it. Some of the educators do have a, a fee that they charge. Some of them do it because they love doing it. But Hedo really creates the environment where you can get close to the educators and learn. We do it all the time. We did a BDSM thing. Carol learned what to do. They said, here, take these back to your room. And, um, you know. Well, I enjoyed myself. Well, she enjoyed herself. You know, we had a safe word, but she didn't listen to the safe word. I said, ow, that hurt. She goes, good, and kept going. But it's, it's, it's all about having a good time. We right. love learning and we thank you and all the other educators for doing what you do because it makes everybody have a, a spicier sex life. And it what a re- better understanding about how the sexuality part works, Absolutely. right? Yeah. So we're going to... Thank you. That's awesome. I know. It really is amazing. So we're going to diverge a little bit from the educational side and get into more of the research side because this is the part that's really exciting for me. I can't wait to talk about it. I want you to explain about your research study and tell us about the participants and the results and the conclusions of what you studied and how you did it. Sure. So as a sexual scientist, the one thing that really sparked my curiosity was the, my first lifestyle experience. And the first lifestyle experience, as I mentioned, it, for me, there was a racial component. I became the fetish in the room of, of white people. I was the one that they wanted to experience. If they get the full-blown screwing couple on the floor, it was the black girl with all the clothes on that became the fetish. And that sparked my curiosity. And I opted to do some research on the, the, the component of black and white not only black and white, but all races within the lifestyle. Because that research had never been done. The research part of, of the swinging, the last one that was done this was in 2000. There was never any research that was done on the racial dynamics in the lifestyle, ever. As a matter of fact, there were some scientists that said they had never had or seen black people at their events. It was never even crossed their mind to include in that study, which is unfortunate because I think that's what makes the lifestyle so beautiful is that all race and genders come together. Diversity. Yeah. Yeah. So that was very unfortunate. And because that was lacking, there was a preconceived notion that minorities didn't exist in a lifestyle. It was all a middle-aged white, person's playground and that we, me being a black woman didn't exist. And that bothered me. That bothered me because I'm not invisible. We are not invisible. So what do you do about it? You research it and you try to figure out where the disconnect happened. So what I wanted to understand 
was a dynamic of white men and black women lifestyle and how that melds together, especially when it comes to the understanding of white men and what they view of black women. And this is where my eyes began to open. So I interviewed, oh my God, probably over a thousand. I narrowed it down to hundreds and I got down to 10 because it was, it was a lived experience. In the interview process, these were couples that were married, white couples, and they had chosen to play with a black female. The interview was only with the white male, not the white female and the black female. There were a list of questions that they had to answer. And these questions pertain to race, they pertain to the lifestyle, and they pertain to their background because I had to understand what their background was. So these interviews opened my eyes a lot, and it also made me concerned. So I'm gonna, can I tell you what I, what I, what I found out? Um, because I think there needs to be more that needs to be done around this, around race and sex, in a way that it can encourage races to understand and respect each other, and not be afraid of these conversations. So we know that in the phenomena of the lifestyle, you have the BBCs, right? They even have BBCs meet and greets. There is never a BBC meet and greet for a female. I call it big black clip. <laughs> I like it. Why? I don't know. And so I, I speak to that because that leads for, for black females there's an invisible status that comes from that. Don't you see that here? So when I work with my organizers, I talk about that needs to be also to be included, that you know, BBCs becomes a fetish. So when I did the research, I really want to understand what was the mindset from white men and from black females when they're in play and what are they experiencing? All of my black females that I interviewed had had at least one, if not three, racially um, sensitive or racially engaging experience in the lifestyle. So I wasn't the first one. They all had experienced it. It's heartbreaking. Experiencing it from seeing on profiles, we only play with, with white couples. We don't play with black. We get preferences, we get that. But then aren't you missing so much by not doing that, right? I also noted that they also spoke of when a white female suggests that they play with their husband and it becomes a fetish, that they become the fetish. It's like any black girl will do because my husband, my white husband hasn't had one. So we, they speak to that again, not being a person, but an object, which again, again, takes away from what the lifestyle is supposed to be, right? It's about getting to know the person, the essence of the person, not just because I'm the chocolate flavor of the day. I'm a good flavor, by the way, but that's beside <laughs> the point. <laughs> but getting to know the flavor, getting to know who I am, and not just any old black girl will do. And we spoke of what they wanted when they, being the black females, how they wanted the experience to change, they could have a better experience. And every one of them said education. 
we have to talk about it. It's like the big elephant in the room. No one wants to talk about it. You will dance around it. No one wants to talk about it. And so in the research, it was for, for my black females, what I took away was they all had experiences of some type of racial sensitivity or racial components in, the, in their experience. And they all want to do better. For my white males, what I found the most fascinating, and I don't even know how to put this into words. I'm just going to say what I found. It was a hormone for them, pheromones, which I didn't even think about. I think only three out of 100 at this point had said a black woman's pheromones are stronger and it was more exciting to them. So I make a note to self, you now need to study that because yeah. my pussy smelled different yeah. than this girl's over here. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That's a, that's a great question, right? And so it made them, they found that smell very attractive. I had never heard that in my life, but it makes sense. Is it true? I don't know. Something I want to check into. Also, they spoke to that they believed in their mind's eye that a black female was ready for sex at a younger age, which was a concern. It was a concern. So these are some, and I can go on and on, and if we have time, I will. These are some of the concerns that we took away from, from the educational portion of this. When we speak of the lifestyle and these white men, they all loved to be with black women, all of them. But it was more of having the black experience versus getting to know the couple or the individual. So we turn back to fetish. And we all know one of the things about the lifestyle of being able to experience different races, different nationalities. That's what makes it beautiful. And I always tell people this. It's great. Diversity is what we're about. We should be about. But when you look at one group as an object, that becomes the problem. They're not seen as humans. And then you can treat and abuse and do whatever to objects any way you like. And when people hear that, there's always see them like, oh, that makes sense. So enjoy the experience, but don't make it more than an object. So when I do these classes on racial sensitivity in the lifestyle, racial, um, how to have safe and fun interracial play, because that's a class I did, which I found was fascinating. It was a private class I did. And I think 40 or 50 couples came, and it was quite interesting to talk about the biases. But these are the kinds of things that have to, these are the types of conversations that have to evolve within the lifestyle because it's like the elephant in the room. We're all there. And we're not all there for the same reason. Sometimes we come with our own biases. So we have to bring that and even speak about it even when we're on vacation when we're doing this kind of work together. So it was quite fascinating understanding the demographics has changed. It was now, something that had never been done was the average amount, the median income for swingers, 115,000 a year. That has changed significantly since the last study in 2000. And one said that was never done was how much do swingers spend on the lifestyle a year? 
So the study said that they spend minimum 15000 a year. Wow, that's a that's lot. That's a lot of disposable income. Yeah. That's a lot of income. Yeah. So, that's you know, a big audience. Organ, like, okay, we, yeah. Some of the organizers like, we want to know about this part because that's mm-hmm. the business part, right? Mm-hmm. We want to know about that. Um, so that's a lot of disposable income that people are shelving to the side to enjoy this lifestyle. They're preparing and saving up. $15,000. That's a lot of money just to play. Because we're going, we're traveling, God knows we're shopping, we're buying dresses. Every every place you go got a daggone new theme night. Not to mention shoes. <laughs> what are you talking about, Carol? Yes! <laughs> we gotta get our shoes. <laughs> and not to mention the hair. You gotta have the hair and the shoes and the makeup. You know, you gotta have it all together. But we spend a lot of money, right, for these kinds of lifestyles. So the research was quite fascinating. And I am so proud of the the individuals that chose to be a part of my research are all swingers. They have been in the lifestyle for a minimum of eight years from all over the world. I opted not just to pick U.S. I wanted every part because I wanted a really broad view, and that was important. And it was really quite an eye-opener. And from that, there have, there is now spinoffs, when I talk about pheromones, um, another on um, Latin X's in the lifestyle and how they have been invisible in the research as as of right now. But that's changing. So I'll report to someone right now talking about the Latin X in the lifestyle and how that's coming into. So, you know, I think that as far as the lifestyle is grown exponentially, it will continue to as long as those that play and are organizers we talk and we meld and people enjoy the experience because you're paying for that experience. And so that's what the research says. How can we make experiences better for everyone? So it was quite fascinating, all this stuff. Yeah, <laughs> very, absolutely, absolutely. Very, very And cool. I like to say that all women are equal because we all have pink pussies no matter what the color of our skin, right? It's all pink inside, yeah. right? We're all got red blood. That's yeah. not know. That's what I'm Yes, <laughs> we're all the same. Very cool. All right. We are going to take a quick break. We want to remind you that we are here with um, Dr. Valerie, uh, who is a sex educator. And when we come back, we are going to talk about some BBC myths, legends, and the Jezebel complex. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Yeah, before we get on with the show, before we get on with Great Sex Matters, we want to talk about Hito 2 in Jamaica. It's one of our favorite places, and it is the sexiest place on earth where you can be as mild or as wild as you like. And we're so excited to tell everybody, we've been talking about it for a couple of shows now, that we're going to be escaping winter 2021, and we'll be at Hito from January 15th to March 26th. We're going to be broadcasting on location, doing a bunch of other things as well. Um, most probably a lot of it will be naked. So come on, come join us for a week or even more if you want. You could even be a guest on one of our podcasts. Yeah, it's going to be so much fun. And we're just going to feel so good to be home again at Hito. From their delicious Jamaican food to the amazing and award-winning entertainment staff and all the sexy, fun, and erotic guests, we are going to be having a blast. So join us there as we get naked on the beach again. It won't be long now. It sure won't. All right, we're back. This is the Hedonism Show. We are Carol and David, and we're having a great discussion with Dr. Valerie Popple all about swinging, racial swingers. Um, I don't know her her research. Her, I mean, she's education. such education. She's such a well-rounded person. But now uh, we want to talk a little bit about 
those BBC myths, the legends, what you girls like or don't like about it, and then something that we've just learned about, which is the De- Jezebel complex. So, Val, first, can, I, can I start with the question? Yeah, yeah, because you know. I've always loved BBC, and now that after listening to your speaking, it never even dawned on me that that's a fetish. And I, ha- I got to tell you that I must be guilty of wanting the BBC for not just the size, but the, the excitement of it, the difference, the variety. And I thought that was really, you know, being part of the lifestyle. But I, I think maybe you're, you're right. Maybe I'm objectifying it and wanting it as a fetish. Is that possible? It could be possible. And that's, you know, that's beautiful that you, you might have come to that realization. And what does it mean? It just means now that you're going to transcend your thinking and, and hopefully understand that it is absolutely beautiful to enjoy and have the excitement and also want to understand the individual. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, and we want yeah. to understand the individual that you're playing with. Yeah. I will make That's sure that happens. I, I will be thinking about that next time. So as a researcher and an <laughs> educator, tell me or tell our audience all about, you know, BBC's. Why is it a fetish? Why is it not a fetish? And, and what is that desire out there? Or we have some friends who are like, don't go near me. Like, what is the whole story around it? Oh boy. So the BBC is a big back box, right? It, it emerged from the period of enslavement and enslavement, unfortunately, found its shores, found its way on every shore in the world. And one of those legacies that came out of it was the BBC and the fear around the big back clock touching a white female because you have certain sexual stereotypes. And that's what I talk about a lot, sexual stereotypes. The sexual stereotype of white women is purity, piety, etc. And for black males, it's their virility, their strength, their large penis. All ridiculous ass stereotypes. But they're stereotypes that exist today. So within the stereotype of the BBC, there are many people that choose to come into lifestyle to play with a BBC. There is a phenomenon that I researched which is um, interracial cockholding and energy transfers, which is the experience of where there is a white couple, he chooses to have his white wife play with a black male, uh, yes, a black male, and then the white male chooses then to lick up the essence of the black male. That is a, it is a kink, it is a phenomenon that no one really talks about, but it's things that I study around that and why that comes to be. Because there is this, you know, they have this bull in the china closet kind of you know, syndrome, like black men, big, tall, muscular. So you take in the essence, the energy of what you digest. It is absolutely reminds me of, you know, when I think of the Asian medicine, they might, you know, Tiger balls, you know, and I, I've heard of other nationalities that want to, you know, eat and drink the the nectar of you know, the bull penis or eat the scrotum of some kind of bull for the energy transfer. But even the it rhinoceros horn, to, right? Yes, yes. It goes back to that prehistoric reptilian kind of brain that, you know, we all have where we want that experience, where people want that experience. So the BBC, it has a, a very long legacy, racially entwined, some good, some not good, especially if 
you are from the African diaspora around fetishizing big black cock. So that's what the BBC is. Some women only want to play with BBCs. That, and this is just broad statement, not everyone, but some. Not even life, so I'm just talking science right now. What becomes a fetish? Because then you see only, I mean, you're missing out on some great white men. Thank you. Thank you. You're missing out on some. I have an AWC, an average white cock. But it's beautiful, baby. I want to say this as well, Dave, right? And this is, I don't know what, I know where this came from. You know, this whole thing about size. But I'm going to dispel a myth right now. This is education one for me. Three inches into the vagina is where most of the nerve endings are. Once you're past three inches, it don't really matter. What she's receiving is the pressure from the thrust. That is what she's receiving. So that's why, if you think about it, women like the flicking in and out, really quick, the flicking in and out, because it's the three inches. So my philosophy is any more than four is just, you know, it's just whatever. (laughs) It's excess, right? (laughs) Because it's the first three inches that fucking matters. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. (laughs) That makes sense. People are like, what the hell is this woman talking about? It absolutely makes sense. Yes, absolutely. So besides the whole fantasy and fetish of the BBC, tell us a little bit about that Jezebel complex or phenomenon. Yeah. So, you know, there are um, four different stereotypes that surround black women. One being mammy, which is the ever-serving, ever-pleasing white black mammy um, that's always taking care of white women's children, white women's families. This arrives back from the antebellum, from the enslavement period. Then you have Sapphire, this ever-spirited kind of angry black woman that's, you know, the one that the news media likes to focus on. And then you have the Jezebel, the ever-wanting, ever-needing whore that walks into the room. And so the experience that I had in my first um, swinging experience, by the way, I interviewed because I really wanted to know what he had. Yeah. And his belief was, and it spelled into the Jezebel, was that black women are made for sex. Wow. And that speaks to the Jezebel. And it really speaks to, so when you are a black female walking into a lifestyle, which is, you know, sex and foray, where it's like, we're like, you know, the, the Godiva chocolate walking in there. Mm-hmm. Because in some people's mind's eye, she, this black woman is made for sex. This is what she is. She's a Jezebel. She's already the one to this for walking in. So, and again, it puts black women in this quandary of being seen as objects, not being treated as humans and individuals. And that's where the mirror of problems starts to happen. So in, in the Jezebel myth, we really work on, I work on worldwide, is really educating people about the myth, checking your own biases, and then understanding, taking some steps, how to erase those biases so that you can choose to enjoy all races, all nationalities without bias component. Because mm-hmm. that's the idea. Let's stop pretending this doesn't exist. Right. Anymore. 
Right, exactly. Now, as we all know, and you can't hide the fact that there's, I don't even know the percentages, but mostly it's white people, but it's not all white people. And that's why we have to stop just looking at white people. We have to be looking at all the different races that are in the lifestyle. Why does there have to be labels? No, there's not. It's just as as a matter of fact, it is uh, as a fact, more white people than not. And, but it's not just white people. And that's what we have to kind of just stop worrying about or thinking about. We're just all people rather than like you said, no labels. I agree 100% right. exactly what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, absolutely. Totally no labels. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So what we're going to do, we haven't gotten to Great Sex Matters. Everybody knows our show is normally an hour. What we're going to do is we are going to have everybody hang on. We're going to uh, save this one. We are going to um, do a part two of this show because everything is absolutely great. We want to remind everybody that we're talking to Dr. Valerie Popple, who is a sex educator. And uh, we are Carol and David. This is the Hedonism Show. So we're going to ask you just to hold tight. We're going to do a little commercial. We are going to save. And we're going to ask you to go to part two, which will be the next episode in our tree. So we'll be right back. Dr. Valerie Popple, thank you so much for being here. This was an amazing two-part show, sharing all this great information. Hopefully one day we will see you at Hedo, maybe this winter. Um, who knows? We're going to keep in touch. Why don't you take a minute to tell everyone how they can find you online or social media? Sure. So you can find me on Facebook as Valerie Nefertiti Popple. I'm also a professional belly dancer. It is my hobby since the word Nefertiti. I've been belly dancing for 30 plus years. You'll find me there. You can find me at www.swan, that's S-W-A-N-N, center.com. And you can also find me on TikTok under Swan Center, on Instagram under Swan Center. And I will make sure that I can give you all those links as well so that you can always be in contact with me. I am here for you. And of course, if you missed any of that information, you just have to go to our website, thesexylifestyle.com, where all of our guests have their own guest page, including Dr. Popple. And uh, you'll be able to contact her directly from there and click on the links directly from there. And we are learning so much every day, every week, and I hope that you guys do too. And we sincerely hope that you're staying safe and healthy and, of course, following all the suggested protocols issued by your local health authorities. Stay home as much as you can. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Practice social distancing. And please continue to wear a mask. And, of course, listen to our show and visit our website, thesexylifestyle.com. And if you have any questions at all, you can always send us an email at ask at carolyndavid.com. Well, that's it for our show today, both part one and part two. Uh, we want to thank you, Dr. Valerie Popple, for being here. Thank you guys for having me. I am so honored, Carolyn David. Thank you so much. It's been, a, it's been awesome. Thank you so much. And of course, every week we thank all our listeners for being there week in and week out. Join us again next time for another hour of The Sexy Lifestyle, talking about sex, sexuality, and all the fun ways to spice up your sex life. All righty. That's it. Everybody, please stay healthy, stay happy, stay horny, stay safe, and of course, stay sexy, everyone. Until next time. Thank you for joining Carol and David for this week's edition of The Hedonism Show. We've got another one lined up next Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The weekend is just around the corner, so try something new, spice it up, and you just might have the best sex ever. 